This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Sarah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Solomon, Solomon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzzah, Uzzah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheltiel. Sheltiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Achim. Achim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathen, Mathen, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we're seated, let us turn to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, as we gather in your presence this morning, as we look and dive into your word, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. Lord, wake us up, renew us, and refresh us. Lord, wake us from a sleep that is holding us back. May we be prepared to receive your love, your grace, and your mercy as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ in this journey towards Bethlehem. Lord, we invite your spirit. You are welcome here. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, move in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we begin in Matthew's gospel, I can't help but think this isn't quite the way someone would want to begin the gospel lesson. This is a genealogy of Jesus. How many of us really checked out when we heard the first part of the text this morning? And then it didn't get any better because it was followed by not one, but 41 names that are hard and challenging to pronounce. So thank you for sticking with me and my very Southern accent as we worked through those. Now, you know, it doesn't seem like the way to get one's attention. And yet, if this were the Jewish community, this would be exactly what would one would do to get the attention of a reader. See, in the 
Jewish community, history in the most natural and essential way to begin the story of a life, of an individual's life is to give their genealogy. Because see, family and family lineage was so significant to the Jews that they kept very strategic and strict genealogies in which they didn't just keep in their homes, but they stored them in the temples for safekeeping. And that's why we see the human genealogy of Jesus was never truly challenged because it was irrefutable. The names in this passage that we read through this morning, not just one, but all 41 names make up Jesus' family tree. And since ultimately Matthew's gospel ends with the story of Jesus' birth, then I guess this could be called the very first Christmas tree. See, every one of us has family history. And some people are very interested in studying their family history and their genealogy and how they got to this place that they are. And I don't know how your family tree looks, but I'm just gonna go ahead and be really honest. When I begin to look at my family tree, what I begin to notice is there are some real characters on each and every limb of my family tree. And so searching for and discovering relatives can be one of those risky propositions. We may find out some things that maybe we wish we hadn't and others that get us really excited. And yet when we step back and we look at our family tree, when it's really filled out and we look at it, what we begin to realize is that there would be no you or I without those characters on each and every one of those limbs of our family tree. And Jesus was part of a very real family. And family is a very strange mix of people when we say that word. Because see, family's made up of mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, cousins and aunts and uncles, grandparents, great grandparents. And then there are even those family members who may not be blood related to us, but they are our family. They've been woven into our family tree. And the Bible is very blunt about the genealogy of Jesus. See, it doesn't just gloss over the scandalous people, but rather it's real and honest. The genealogy of Jesus, when we look at it, we learn something about God. We learn something about Jesus. And the book Roots, Advent and the Family Story of Jesus, the author Dan Wilt challenges readers by saying to understand Jesus, we would do well to discover the root of faith from which he springs. And that first Christmas family tree, like your family tree and like my family tree, Jesus has a few surprises on his limbs. Each family member, has roots that we call our heritage, our family story, stories of saints and sinners woven into the family line of the Son of God. Now, in the very beginning of the text that we read in verse two, we hear Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. There's no real surprise in the text as we're reading at this point. 
But like my family tree, and I'll make an assumption like yours, if we keep going long enough, we're gonna find those surprises. And the same is true for Jesus because there's heroes in the text. There are wicked kings in the text. There are those with sketchy pasts. There are Jews and there are Gentiles. In fact, this Christmas family tree has four Gentiles. And inside that, there are four women that are listed in that. Without those four women, the rest and the rest of those on on that family tree, there would have never been verse 16 of our text this morning. That text says to us, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. All of those people play a role in that. Without those women, without the rest of that family tree, we wouldn't have had that text. The mother of the Messiah. When we read that text, we begin to see the importance of the lineage that we've just read. And so maybe we understand why Mary is listed in this text. But maybe the obvious question for Matthew is why these four women? Why Tamar? Why Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba? Why not some less problematic women? You know, what about Sarah? What about Rachel? What I think we're gonna begin to see as we unfold this text, as we look at these women who are listed, these four Gentile women who are listed in the text is what we begin to see is God's grace on full display. See, in Genesis chapter 38, we begin to see this twisted story of Tamar. She was the daughter-in-law of Judah. Judah's son, her husband, died. And so his brother was supposed to have a child with her. And before we get upset, that's how it was done in those days. And yet he failed to do so, and so he was killed. And so Judah promises her that if she'll just be patient, if she'll just wait, she can have his youngest son. And so she did. But he failed to keep his promise. And so Tamar dresses up like a prostitute to get Judah to hit on her. And he got her pregnant, and that's how we get the twins, Perez and Sarah. Is this a story that we would share in our family tree? Is that the one that we post on social media and share with those around us? Would we really want people to know somewhere in our family tree, a father-in-law mistook his daughter-in-law and ended up pregnant? Yet God shares this story about his son. And the question becomes, why? Because this is exactly the people that Jesus came to save. He came to save sinners like me and like you and like the world around us. At one point, Judah was going to have her burned until he realized that she was pregnant with his child. So she goes from being almost dead to being in the genealogy of Jesus. Christ came to save from death. He came to rescue. He came to cleanse and he came to purify. 
The question becomes, is are our families twisted? Do we have skeletons in our closet? The answer remains, church, God's grace is greater. See, Tamar had done wrong and she was done wrong by. She was cut off by her family. She was oppressed and marginalized. Judah and his sons had done wrong by her. Jesus came from outcast to save outcast. And then what about Rahab? See, we hear about Rahab in our text this morning. And if we read in Joshua chapter two, we discover this woman who is probably one of the least likely people to see in the genealogy of Jesus. She was a Canaanite woman. She was a Gentile. And not only that, the Canaanites were the enemies of the Israelites. It was the Canaanites that we read about the Israelites marching in and wiping out the land. They were an ungodly bunch of idolaters. And here's Rahab and the mix of it. And how does she end up in the genealogy of Jesus? See, when Israel was just about ready to take the land that God had given to them, Joshua the leader sent spies in to check out the land. And they were almost busted. They were almost busted until Rahab decides that she's going to lie and protect them. She chose God's people over her idolatrous people. And in returning and so doing so, Israel spared her and her family in battle. So as we think about this and we think about Joshua, you, would, you wouldn't assume that this woman would be a candidate for the genealogy of Jesus. Rahab shows us that our past doesn't define our future. Our sin is no longer our identity. Jesus didn't come to avoid sinners, but he came to redeem sinners. We see Ruth. We're familiar with Ruth and the story of Boaz. Her husband and his brother both die leaving her and her sister-in-law with their mother-in-law, Naomi. And so Naomi decides to go back to her homeland and she encourages the two girls to go on their way. And one did, but Ruth refused to. She decided that she was going to stay with Naomi, that she was gonna become a part of her people, that she was going to worship her God. And that's where the story picks up in Ruth chapter one. She ends up meeting Boaz and marrying him in this incredible story of God's sovereignty, his working of his purposes in all circumstances for his glory. Ruth is an unlikely candidate for Jesus' genealogy. She wasn't part of God's people. Her life was in shambles after the death of her husband. And yet God worked in the midst of the shambles of her life. He brought her into the family of God to be used in his family tree. Do we see the pattern that's unfolding? God choosing to accomplish God's purposes in a way that demonstrates his grace. Not ours, but his grace. God's sovereignty working despite sinful and broken people. 
God graciously turning enemies into friends. This is the story of Jesus' family tree. The ultimate expression of God's faithfulness, his sovereignty, his power working in and through his people for his divine purpose, his grace on full display. See, Ruth shows us that no matter how messed up our family history, God is greater. No matter how shattered our dreams are, God is bigger. There is a place for you and me and God's family. In 2 Samuel, we discover the infamous story of David and Bathsheba. And yet in our text this morning, she's referred to as the wife of Uriah. Now see, while the men were at war, King David stayed back and he sees her across and has her brought back to his quarters. And he commits adultery with this woman and she becomes pregnant. And in order to cover up what he has done, he has Uriah killed. Right here in the genealogy of Jesus, we find an adulterer, we find a murderer. And the baby would later die. And yet she would bear a son to David named Solomon who would be king. God made a promise to her and to David in Second Samuel, I'm sorry, he made a promise to her and to David that there would be a descendant on the throne, ultimately one who would be on the throne forever. Solomon would be the immediate descendant to the throne, but Jesus would be the king who reigns forever. See, David and Bathsheba show us that there's no scandal that excludes you and me from God's grace. And then there's Mary, the incredible story of Mary. Mary was the mother of of Jesus who was called the Messiah. She was promised to Joseph when the angel of the Lord appeared to her and told her that she would become the mother of the Messiah. And she faced, likely faced daily the shame that came and the scorn about what others thought about her. How many times have we felt what others thought about us and God says, that is not who you are. You are my child and I have created you for greatness and yet here's Mary. She wore the the shame and the scorn that others assumed about her. And yet, what we hear is a response to the angel. And Mary responds in faith and says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Now, Mary recognizes the unlikeliness and begins to sing out in Luke chapter one. She says, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary was an ordinary girl who probably had chosen to live an ordinary life. And that's what makes this so beautiful about this story. Because God never sees anyone as ordinary. The world considered Mary to be an unlikely girl. 
on the threshold of marriage. But God rewarded her faith and from the plan that he had from the very beginning for her life to be anything but ordinary. What an unexpected thing for the Messiah to come in the lineage of a broken people, broken stories, and ultimately to be given birth by young virgin girl Mary, who was favored by God. Mary shows us God's work, his sovereign purposes, that he involves us in his plans. God is faithful. God doesn't go back on his word. God has made promises and he keeps them. Christmas declares that God is faithful. As we look at this first family tree, this first Christmas tree, we don't just see that God made a couple of promises to a couple of guys and kept them. What we see is a very different plan and purpose. God working out his plan and purpose through human history, his grace on full display. Dan Wilt says in his book, Roots, one only need to read through a few stories throughout scriptures to see that the, his people, the people of the covenant are passionate, fallible, incredibly devoted, quick to tears, trusting yet capable of great disobedience. Perhaps Jesus' genealogy this first Christmas tree is here to prepare us for the unexpected work of God in our lives. As you and I look back on our lives, I think that we'll find that many of the best things about us may have come from painful experiences, redeemed by God, who makes beautiful things out of ashes. God doesn't care about our history, our lineage, our family skeletons. All of us are to be brought near to God through Jesus and to become a part of his story. He can turn our life around to be used for his glory. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Abba Father, our creator and our sustainer, Lord, you created within us a purpose and a plan in our lives. And Lord, so often we have tried to hide behind our brokenness and the ways of this world. And Lord, as we sit here this morning, we just pray that you would help us to see who you have created us to be. Lord, that the things in our lives that you have redeemed us from, the places that you are calling us and bringing us to, Lord, we are thankful. We are thankful that in Jesus, there are new beginnings. There is hope and there is true promise. Thank you that Jesus is both fully God, fully man, so that he could be our savior. Thank you that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. Lord, you are a friend of sinners pouring out your grace and your mercy. Open our eyes to see that we are not defined by our past. Move our hearts in such a way that we fully receive and understand your forgiveness and your grace. 
Lord, help us to find the courage and the desire to share what you have done in our lives. Turn our past into our purpose. May we boldly proclaim our spot on the family tree of Christmas. Amen.